part of the All Everything Entertainment Podcasting Network. Working Fans Podcast, cool. Yep. All right, here we go, coming down three, two. Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ, I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, Nate likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com we're on instagram where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod and then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including anchor.fm we're on google podcasts spotify breaker overcast Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Guys, I want to take a second to tell you about All Everything Entertainment. They are your home for the latest breaking news and opinions about sports, wrestling, and entertainment. From jock to geek and everyone in between, they will definitely have something for you. As I'm recording this, they have 10 live weekly podcasts that can be watched daily on Facebook, YouTube, or alleverythingentertainment.com. The replays are available on their Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, or iTunes channels. Their shows run the gamut as they talk about the NFL, NBA, NHL, Football, movies, bi-weekly top 10 countdowns, paranormal activity, wrestling, WWE, AEW, NJPW, UFC, Bellator, and so much more. These guys, they're just like you. They're passionate individuals who love a variety of subjects. And that's why they started this company in May of 2019 to kind of be a one-stop shop for entertainment. On September 11th, 2020, they made arguably their biggest signing by agreeing to terms with yours truly, the Working Fans Podcast. I was out of work sick, and I was happy to join them as a part of their team. You can find them on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube by searching All Everything Entertainment or go to alleverythingentertainment.com for their full schedule and a full list of their shows. If you like us, you will 100% like them. Thank you. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs, 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality t-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, like, the vibes are washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. 
Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2-Designs. Support for the Working Fans Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They have just launched in the UK. They have gone years over there without using the right tools for the job. And now, if you live in the UK, you can be one of the first people to experience their life-changing products. AJ, you were telling me about their products earlier. Give us a rundown of a few things they offer. Let me tell you something. As a former professional wrestler, I know a thing or two about wrestling with ancient technology. Having to get ready in the 1990s and the early 2000s for a wrestling match and having to take care of your favorite tag team partners down there below the belt wasn't easy. You'd use an old straight razor or you'd try to use those old-fashioned clippers. And all you do is you cause, some, you cause your tag team partners to get color. We're not trying to do that, folks. We're trying to take care of them and preserve them. Now, with the modern technology brought to you by Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, you get a ceramic blade that keeps your buddies down there south of the border safe and in shape and ready to go all night long. And why don't you tell us about some of the features and some of the stuff that they have, like Joe asked you. Guys, not only do they have your favorite technology for the trimming, Mm. but they have stuff like the crop preserver. They've got things that will make your balls so gentle and sweet and with tonic that even an old married guy like me might actually have a chance to get them touched. Maybe that's a ball yeah, wipe, too. Dave, when you're wielding those balls out in the free world, you don't want to have them be like mini cacti, do you? Just slapping them in the face. That, that doesn't work. No, nah, man. Before, I made a few accidents myself. Looked like somebody just crushed up a bunch of ketchup packets down there. It was awful. I thought I had to go to the hospital. But thankfully, my, I made it out all right. My wife's favorite thing. My wife's favorite thing that they have is they actually have disposable mats that you can stand on while you're doing it which keeps you from leaving all your business all over the bathroom floor. That's a big thing when it comes to cleaning up. Got some cool t-shirts, too. Guys, the Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and it's just released in the UK, the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Fuck the 2.0. They upgraded it, and the Lawnmower 3.0 is a third-generation trimmer which features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Because this is one place where red doesn't equal green. When I say this thing is premium, I'm not fucking around. This thing is premium. It has up to 90 minutes. You can get a longer shave. And frankly, if you're shaving for 90 minutes, God bless you. It's also constructed with a waterproof technology that allows you to shave in the shower. Mm. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Why go that fast? You can even now do your trimming when the lights have gone down low and you can do it with that nice LED light. I'm telling you, it's like having a spotlight down there to protect you. Now, I do arguably my best work in the dark, but even though it contains all of the above-mentioned features, don't forget about the charging stand. Display it in your bathroom. Let people know you're shaving your nuts. It's an intelligently designed stand that is a convenient charging stand 
powered by USB. Now, if you're listening to us talk about dick shaving right now, we want you to experience all of this firsthand for yourself. Let's clean you up from bush to tush and beyond. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off your order and free shipping with the code WFP2020. Remember, the code WFP, Work of Fans Podcast, baby. 2020 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Hey, everybody. This is the voice of the National Wrestling Alliance, Joe Galley, and you are listening to the Working Fans Podcast. All right, fans. It's the Working Fan Podcast today. We got producer Joe. We got Sheaf. We got myself, Dave, number one fan, and we are joined by the Emmy Award winner and the voice of the NWA, Mr. Joe Galley. Joe, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Very good. Very Excellent. Good. Joe, you're a reporter as well, and you got an Emmy for covering the wildfires, I believe. How did that all come about? Well, I've been a journalist for uh, close to 10 years now. You know, it was, you know I, I got into broadcast journalism sort of by accident. I was going to college, and I was in a screenwriting course over at California State University, Northridge. And the, the the class schedule was very intense for a film program, it's just, as you as you can expect from a college in Southern California. So I wasn't able to really work things out and work full time. So I moved over into broadcast journalism, and so I you know I got my degree in that, and you know I really didn't know that that was going to be a, a route that I was going to take. At the time, I was also training as a pro wrestler and working a lot of indie shows in the LA area. And so I made like a ridiculous, stupid, you know, demo reel of me leaving college hmm. where I, the first the first thing you see on it is me taking a Death Valley driver from Roland Bell Cooper. <laughs> and, wow. And I'm in the full suit. And it was a just a it was just a stupid gimmick. because I didn't think I was I wasn't really taking it as seriously as, as many of my other classmates at the time. But it just so happens that a station in Toledo, Ohio, get these call letters WNWO. How perfect is that? Wow. <laughs> they were looking for a fun morning reporter to go and do stupid morning reporter stuff because they wanted to have basically the Today, the Today Show before the Today Show. And so I sent them my demo reel and they hired me. So that was sort of my start in, in broadcast journalism and I've been doing it ever since. And Obviously things have transitioned from me being just the fun morning reporter, which I was for a couple of years. But, you know, formats change, news directors change, and you, when they tell you you got to step up and start, you know, being a journalist, then you step up and start being a journalist. And eventually, that led me to working in Toledo, Ohio. I worked in the Poconos of Pennsylvania, and then I worked in Palm Springs, California, and that's where I, I won the Emmy. During that time where we were having such bad wildfires in all the area over there, it kind of became my specialty that we would just kind of go just to the outsides of our of our market into the LA market and just cover these, these horrible disasters that were happening there. And so I have to tell you though, it's, it's probably the most exhilarating thing to go and cover as a journalist. I mean, you're covering this giant monster that's going through and it's tearing through forests and it's burning down people's homes. And there's a, I think it's probably the biggest adrenaline rush you're going to get hmm. as a local television reporter is covering giant natural disasters like that. Yeah, I guess, you know, from one opportunity, why it rises another opportunity. You just end up in uh, these crazy things keep happening, and you just kind of go with the punches then, huh? And that's got to be crazy given the Australian wildfires going on now. 
You know, it really is. And I, re- I feel for a lot of those those folks that are over there in uh, Australia. I know locally here, I mean, our, our San Antonio Zoo is sending a lot of resources and trying to just help out all the animals that are being impacted over there. And I mean, you got to keep in mind, I mean, the, as devastating as the wildfires were in California, I mean, it's throughout that whole continent of Australia, they're dealing with wildfires. Mm. So if you could imagine the entire country of the United States, minus Alaska and Hawaii, yeah. Having problems with wildfires, it's, it's pretty astounding. Changing uh, gears here a little bit, what got you into wrestling? Like, as a fan, as a kid, and what made you decide to, like, break into wrestling? Well, I was always a fan, you know, as a little kid watching, you know, it started basically, you know, in the Attitude Era was, was sort of where the sweet spot where you, I got into it as, as a fan. I did a bunch of backyard stupid hmm. stuff, you know, the stuff that they tell you not to do. We did all that. Yeah. Everybody, you know, way past the point when you should be, you know, stop getting a bounce house. We always got a bounce house to go and do, you know, frog <laughs> splashes and vertical suplexes and all that <laughs> kind of silly stuff. But when I was in college at Cal State Northridge, my, my best friend, Brandon Taylor, who uh, wrestles under the name Robert Baines now, he's also a member of the LA Dojo for New Japan Pro Wrestling hmm. in their office. Wow. He found an ad in the paper, and that really kind of shows my age right there, because it was actually still a physical paper. <laughs> uh, it was a two-for-one coupon for a professional wrestling school wow. that was just opening. And it was a place called The Fit Pit. It was being run by Dan Magnus now out of the business and retired, but uh, also Ryan Katz was there. He's an operations manager for uh, NXT. And another one of the trainers there at the time was uh, Brawlinbo Cooper, who I believe still is working in the the Simi Valley area, I think a lot of Southern California area. And Ricardo Rodriguez, or it's this real name Jesus Rodriguez, but you everyone knows him as Ricardo Rodriguez uh, from WWE as Alberto Del, Del Rio's announcer. So he got this coupon. He said, you want to go? And I said, sure. And I just kind of got hooked. And at the time, it was really, it was, it was a whole new world for me. I was never an athletic guy. I never wrestled in high school or did football or anything like that. I was really into theater and stuff like that. So I was this weird, doughy, <laughs> non-muscular, not very coordinated pro wrestler. And, you know... I built myself up, and I made a really ridiculous, over-the-top character, which is, to, to make it simple, it's just Joey Ryan's gimmick, but worse. Huh. You know? Wow. So and now you're a straight-laced news guy. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a wonder I've been able to get hired anywhere, I mean, especially with all the stuff. It's, it's all out there on YouTube. It's not hard to find. i got to search this out now. <laughs> I mean, you can go and you can take a look at it now. You look up matches. I had an intergender match with Lizzie Valentine, and it was Lizzie Valentine versus Haynes Classic. So I'm pretty sure if I had that gimmick now and I made any sort of headway with it, the, the Haynes company would probably hit me with a cease and desist. <laughs> but yeah, it was just some goofy underwear model gimmick, and I did that for a number of years until I was you know, working in news and I wasn't wrestling so much and kind of taking a, a back seat. And I moved to Southern California again. And once again, my, my best friend, Brandon Taylor, who was wrestling at the time, he was wrestling as the hobo and he was the Hollywood heritage champion at championship wrestling from Hollywood, mm. which is the program that Dave Marquez runs. Yep, yep. So he's like, Hey, we got some spots opening up because at the time Todd Kennelly was leaving to go do play by play with uh, TNA. 
And so I went there. I was at one taping, which was the Red Carpet Rumble, which is their version of the Royal Rumble. And I did a couple backstage interviews. And then the next taping, they had me sitting in the spot being the regular play-by-play guy with uh, Johnny LaClosto, who now works as John Quasto in WWE. So, hmm. And then I did that for a number of years. And that's where I, I honed my craft. And that's where I met Billy Corgan and Dave Lagano when they were starting off the 10 Pounds of Gold series with Tim Storm as the, uh, as the champion. Did I read this right? You were the recipient of a 2015 Shacky Award from the big podcast of Shaquille O'Neal? Yes, I am. I am Shaquille O'Neal's Person of the Year in 2015, ah. so, which is a much higher regard than anything I could ever win as a professional jewel journalist. <laughs> if I win the Pulitzer one day, it'll still be, be a, a small comparison to Shaquille O'Neal's Person of the Year. Yeah. So what, what happened was, that, I don't know if you guys remember this, I'm sure some of your members of your audience do, if you especially if you follow a lot of things on, online with the trends that happened, but there was a trend a number of years ago where people were yelling at reporters that were on live TV, they would say, F her in the P. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. yep, I heard of that. Yeah, and that went on for, for quite a while, and it was every day for at least a few years, honestly, I probably heard it because people would just yell it at you if you're just walking down the street with a news camera. And it was a Black Friday and I was at the mall and we were just doing a generic, hey, people are shopping, it's Black Friday story. And a kid ran up and he said effort in the pee into my microphone. And my response was, that's what I did to your mother last night. (laughs) (laughs) That is solid. And, and that got picked up by World Star Hip Hop and <laughs> things like that. And so it kind of snowballed. Mm. And eventually they, they played it on Shaq's podcast. And then their next podcast, I called in and Shaquille O'Neal interviewed me, which is like super bizarre and strange. I mean, I mm. grew up in Los Angeles with the three Pete Lakers, you know, him and Kobe are, you know, the, the kings of, of all the this athletic in, in the world of Los Angeles sports and here I am on this podcast and he's interviewing me and then it was just a few weeks afterwards they were doing their awards thing and he picked me to be the person of the year in 2015 so that's pretty dope it's pretty dope I got a t-shirt and everything <laughs> so you got to be quick on your feet I gotta ask when you talk about like guys that you know are quick-witted uh, obviously there was some controversy uh, not too long ago but also, he's one of the great color guys of all time. What was it like? We don't have to delve into anything negative. Uh, what was it like working with Jim Cornette? The guy's a larger-than-life personality. and You know, I loved working with Jim. And Jim is fantastic. He is a walking, talking encyclopedia of professional wrestling. He has, in the back, he's got stories for days. And is one of the most entertaining people just to sit down and eat a Subway sandwich with. Hmm. I'll tell you that for sure. And I feel like I learned a lot working with Jim Cornette. And he, you know, he did a lot for those very first episodes of NWA Power. There, a lot of the stuff that people like was influenced or slightly impacted by the thoughts of Jim Cornette. And, you know, he, he was before Power when we were doing things like the Crockett Cup and the 70th anniversary show. I mean, it was great working with Jim. And the other thing, Jim, is he was, he was very generous with his time. I mean, he's an incredibly busy guy. And I could I could call him up 
and be like, hey, man, I'm looking for some advice or something like that. And he would happily talk to me and give me his two cents on stuff. So I got to tell you, I, I really do love working with Jim. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if somewhere down the road I end up working with him again because, I mean, it's wrestling. Everything kind of comes full circle. Hmm. I agree. Now, I got to say on that hand, too, I think, you know, obviously I, I was a fan of this guy as a wrestler. But as an announcer and a color commentator, Stu Bennett has really surprised me in terms... Not that I didn't expect him to be bad, but he's really good. I'm really enjoying his work. What's, he really fell into it well, I think. Yeah. You guys make a good team. You know, I was really impressed with how quickly we were able to get good chemistry together, mm. which is, sometimes is very difficult. Uh, but, I mean, we just kind of went hand in glove, and it, it worked out really well. And, I mean, people don't realize that Stu actually has a very long background of doing commentary with World of Sport back in his home country in the United Kingdom. So he knows what he's doing. And he's, you know, Bad News Barrett was an incredible gimmick, and he was able to work the mic so well in WWE that they put him in that, into that position. And so it's it's cool working with him. He's also a very humble guy to work with. And, you know, we take notes together and we work really hard. The guy works, you know, when you're working with those, you know, elite athletes and stuff, when they transition into something else, the work ethic stays. And the guy really knows this stuff. And it, it's an absolute pleasure to be sitting next to him. And I'm really happy for it. And I'm really glad that the our audience is really also kind of falling in love to listening to this Brit talk about, you know, and then we've got so many British talent that are here in, in NWA with Nick Aldis. And now we got Marty Scurll coming and making appearances. And, and now with Stu Bennett there, it, it's really, I think it helps make our show have a more international appeal to it, which I think is really cool. Now, I was doing some research on you today, and on your website, you list the use of social media as one of your strengths. As a growing podcast, what kind of advice can you give us about using social media in the right way and using it to grow? Because we're still kind of learning at this. We're just working fans that put out a show and we want to talk to the wrestling personalities we enjoy and about the wrestling that we like to watch. So what kind of advice could you give us? I think as far as, you know, when I say it as a social media, as an expert for it, I think every journalist really needs to, to have that as, as a toolkit. But the world of local news and, and to a certain extent national news is very different than the world of professional wrestling, where the world, the world of professional wrestling as far as social media goes typically seems to stay in the, the realm of Twitter. And so that seems to be everybody's weapon of choice in this industry. I mean, you can even look at WWE. They put far more content on their, their Twitter sphere than they do on Facebook or the other social media apps that are out there. But I think if, if for any podcast out there that's really trying to, all you're doing is having a conversation, whether it's having a conversation with me in the form of this interview or having conversations with your fans when you're not on the air and not making this product. I think Instagram and the stories and that is really helping a lot of people continue that conversation with regular fans. I feel like that's how I, I've had a lot of folks who really enjoy NWA Power reach out to me and message me through Instagram. And I was a little bit surprised by that because you really don't see that in local news where it's so much more based in, in the world of Facebook. So I think focusing, and, and this goes for a lot of workers out there too that are, could be listening to this podcast and they're trying to get themselves over. If you can come up with really good content in your social media stories, and then you, it, it allows people to kind of see what's going on behind the curtain 
and it allows for them to have a more open conversation with you as well. A really good example of that would be Thunder Rosa. If you follow Thunder Rosa, I mean, she's got 46,000 fans on Twitter. I don't know how many she has on Instagram, but she's one of the verified accounts, so it's quite a few. Hmm. But her Instagram stories are fantastic. They're entertaining, and you get to see who she is in regular life. And and if you've been following her, she's been over in Japan winning titles all over the place. And so I think that 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 would be the way that I would go about things. Like, you know, if I were to start a podcast, I'd be really focused on making sure I'm tweeting a lot and making sure that I'm doing, you know, Instagram stories and, and, and doing a lot of live stuff too, because you get notifications when you do stuff live. Mm. So you're gonna, if you do a, a streaming thing through those social media accounts, people know that you're doing it and it helps grow your audience. Wow, that's very valuable advice. Thank you for that. Of course. Joe, I had a question for you. If you could commentate any match with any two people out there in history, who would it be? Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. I would say, you know, I really do like to the, the sort of the, the what ifs out there in the world and what if things could happen. And if I, since this is going to be a magical hypothetical anyways, I would say, you know, I, I worked briefly on a couple of shows with uh, Roddy, Roddy Piper, Roddy Roddy Piper, mm-hmm. uh, before he passed. You know, he was another guy who's super great and generous at the time. And of course, I was a big fan of his growing up as well. So if I could take Rowdy Roddy Piper and have a match with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, or just, I guess, just The Rock, I think that that would be a really fun match to call. Also, you know, it'd be impossible. So let's go ahead and and shoot for the stars and get get both of those guys in their prime Mm. in the ring. That's a fun one-on-one match that I don't think I don't think ever happened. No, oh, the mic no. work. Yeah. I was gonna say before the bell oh, even yeah. rang, it'd be yeah. friggin' five stars right off the bat. Give them fifteen minutes before, and then give them another fifteen for the match. Right, you know? Ooh, and, I, yeah. and I'd be fantastic. Hmm. Oh boy! <clears throat> Obviously, you got a pay per view coming up. You've had a pay per view. What are some of the differences, just as fans that we might not get working live and working TV tapings? Obviously, live has got to be more intense i would believe but anything maybe we don't think of you know since it's since we do nwa power live to tape i feel like there's you don't it's not like you get to rest on your laurels because we don't do second takes for almost anything i don't think we have done that yet Mm. with the exception of one time when the camera broke (laughs) and then we kind of had to fix the camera which took like 15 20 minutes but I, i think you know so there's always that you have to be on your on your toes and you're working, the game is on, and, and you're going until we wrap. What I really, what I think people don't realize, I think for me and for Stu at least, for me and Stu, is it's a lot easier for us to do the pay-per-view because it's shorter. When we do these tapings, we're doing four episodes at a time, and so that's four hours of us talking nonstop. And not just talking, but, you know, yelling and all kinds of other stuff and following formats and stuff. So, one, it's kind of exhausting from a mental aspect, but it also wears on your voice a lot. But if you're doing the pay-per-view, it's two hours, and we're locked into two hours, and you can just go full throttle through it. And so it's, it's less exhausting from a voice perspective and from a mental perspective. And also, it helps with the pay-per-view because usually pay-per-view scenarios it's the it's the end of a storyline or a transition in that storyline and we've been building to it all this time and so you don't have to do a whole lot of homework either when compared to doing your 
there's the NWA power tapings where we could be starting a lot of new things where people are making debuts that maybe we've never called before. So, I mean, there's a lot of homework that goes into this job of being a commentator. And for the pay-per-views, it's just a little bit easier. Big fans of NWA power. Uh, we're not name dropping, but we've had like Nikita, Morton. Uh, we just did one with Tim Storm. So we're fans. We're trying to do what we can to push this product. For anybody, NWA Hard Times pay-per-view coming up that maybe doesn't follow NWA, Maybe you could give us like a hard sell. Why should they tune into this pay-per-view? Well, I think that a lot of your fans probably have already purchased it. And I want to say thank you to each one of you that's already done that. What we're doing with the NWA is very, very special. It is very unique and it is very different. And I think a lot of fans out there, we, I see them on Twitter all the time. Uh, they'll tweet something out that basically says just started watching NWA Power I'm binging the whole thing and I love it Hmm. so I would recommend anybody out there start watching NWA Power we've only had 14 episodes you can get through it in in just a few days and it'll blow your mind the stuff that we're doing and the, the old school flavor that we have with this amazing talents of today and always the surprises that you're going to see and I guarantee you at hard times, you're going to see some incredible surprises out there, mm. and maybe a lot of talents that you weren't expecting to for, to be there. You know, we've always been able to pull that out. I mean, nobody thought they were going to see Scott Steiner in an NWA ring, and then all of a sudden, right. there he was this past Tuesday. So you can expect that caliber of a surprise with an enormous amount of athleticism. And plus, we're crowning a new television champion. So you want to see history in the making, and that is why you want to download or you want to pre-order Hard Times on Fight.TV. My man, that was awesome. Joe, is there anything else you want to promote? Twitter, whatever it is, go right for it. Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Joe Galley News. I do a lot of TikTok now. You guys TikTok? No. That's what all the kids are doing now. Yeah. All the kids these days. (laughs) <laughs> and what I like about TikTok is I was able to just get my name, you know, just at Joe Galley. Mm. You don't have to put any extra on it for that. So between TikTok and Instagram, those are the only things that I was able to get there before any other Joe Galleys. <laughs> so, but I'm having a lot of fun with that. I had some fun with it today at this junkyard that I was at. So, yeah, I'm just, and then. Um, I saw yeah, that, actually, with the cars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah How cool was that? That was really it good. Was yeah. Lightning McQueen. Uh, poor Lightning McQueen just being eaten by all that vegetation. I don't know how long that car's been sitting there, but it's been a while. But, uh, yeah, it's super dope for all you folks out there. You know, pre-order Hard Times on Fight, and then uh, I'll see you every Tuesday at 6.05 Eastern Time on YouTube for NWA Power. Right, Joe, thank you very much. Joe, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, right, Joe. Thanks, that Joe. was amazing. No, no problem. You guys have a great night. Thanks, right. man. You too. Enjoy the pay-per-view. We'll do. Oh, we will. Have a good one. Bye. Fans, welcome back for another week of the 531, where we take our top five list on a particular subject, vote it down to a top three, and we debate that top three down to a number one spot. AJ requested it earlier this week. We're doing the top five brawlers. Before we get started, Dave, AJ, how are you doing today? Man, I'm ready to go. I'm going to watch a little wrestling today. We are recording this on a Sunday. I'm going to watch a little uh, SmackDown from the other night, watch the final chapter of Ray and Rollins. I'm going to watch TNA Turning Point because I was so busy. I forgot that was last night. I'm going to yeah, check I that out. That last night. And I'm going to watch Talking Shop Mania from a couple nights ago. So I'm going to watch a little wrestling and just relax today. Well, like a wise man once said, I'm ready to snap into it. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start big. We're going to start with Jesse from New Hampshire. And his top five brawlers are Onita, Terry Funk, Bruiser Brody, Mick Foley, and Abdullah the Butcher. Good list. Nice that you put Onita down there. I'll tell you, not anybody I talked to actually put Onita down. So nice, nice add-on there. Uh, yeah, I hate to play spoiler, but he is the only he's the only person I see on his. Okay, that's not a bad list. Yeah. I, I don't like the Abdul the Butcher one. I know that he was known for his bloodbaths, but <laughs> to me, he could barely move, get out of his own way, and I don't really consider him a top brawler. Yeah, I'm not a very, very big fan of Abby the person over the last few years. Some of the stuff I've heard about him, but well, we'll get into it later. I got my own list. <laughs> yeah, I oh, man, you're not a fan of Hepsi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who's down with Hepsi? Yeah, you know me. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go next here. I got my boy Scott from Voluntown. He's got Brody. He's got Hanson. He's got Terry Funk. He's got Foley. And he originally put down Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he asked me. Would Vader be considered a brawler? And I said, here's just a big man. I said, no, Vader falls under big man and brawler. And he said, all right, well, we're putting down Vader. Yeah, because to me, we'll get into that later, too, when I get to my list, too. Because, yeah, Vader's one of the all-time great brawlers. And also, Scott wanted to add in Ishii and everybody's favorite brawler, the Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah, Scott just stole my thunder on one of them. But I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Yeah, he had that famous brawl on WWE superstars that we all loved. Not to mention primetime wrestling. Where, uh... I, I, I don't understand. There is something I don't understand. He keeps showing up on people's lists. Um, people keep keep putting the band Hanson on there. I mean, <laughs> Bop was a great song. Mm. But I don't bop, really consider bop. them brawlers. Ooh. Ooh. Bring it home now. <laughs> I bet they had to brawl to keep that pussy off them post-concerts. Mm. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think the three Christian brothers definitely did. The ones that were all married at like 15 years old and still married. Married at 15, were... exclusive, yeah, right yes. here on the Working Fans Podcast. AJ digging deep. Oh, man. He knows. Well, fuck them. We got Brandon <laughs> Thomas up next, and he had Ron Simmons, Harley Race, Stan Hansen, Bradshaw, and if you have independent wrestling TV... On ICW, it is Schlack versus his number five, Haku. That oh, yeah. was live from yesterday, mm. and I'm going to be watching that after this. Wow. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but Schlack is the guy that in the backyard wrestling event had like a minor explosive set off on him. So I guess if there was anybody built to play Haku, it would be him. Also, I'm glad he put uh, Harley Race down there. Harley Race is a great brawler, great bumper. And behind the scenes, Harley Race might would have been one of the greatest brawlers of all time. <laughs> Off in a barroom brawl that he enjoyed. Yes. Apparently, yeah. I'm going to go with our yeah, boy. What do you guys think about so, Ron Simmons on his list? I thought that was an odd choice for a brawler. I mean, if you put into fact his time with the APA, all of the stuff they would do, like in the skits and everything like that, and brawl. I mean, I tend to think of Ron as more of an explosive power wrestler back in the day in his prime but i think he falls in the list but yeah that's where i tend to think of him i don't know you think he, he can definitely classify as a brawler i think to put him in the top five brawlers is a little asinine to be honest with you <laughs> i don't think he belongs anywhere near the top five but definitely i could see where his style was brawling towards the end of his career see and i wasn't as familiar with him with the apa i was more like a doom wcw mm -hmm. guy sure and i saw him as a power guy 
It's funny that you mentioned that because I think any list that has him in their top five brawlers is doomed. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with uh, my boy Jake St. John next here. He's got Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen. I like this pick, by the way. The original Sheik, Mick Foley, and okay, hold on a second here. I'm going to buy a little time because I see Hansen written down twice, and that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Hold on, buddy. <laughs> Maybe he did the band and the actor and the wrestler. Oh, 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 oh. And then that young Hansen brother. No, 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 no. His first pick was supposed to be Steve Austin. So that is the problem. Now, he did have a couple honorable mentions. Rowdy Piper, Terry Funk. And Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, I mean, the Jake rule is in full effect, right? Every week, Jake sends us at least 10 people for the list. <laughs> no different. <laughs> I did like the Sheik made the list. I've always seen the Sheik, I want to say maybe a couple times in my life. I saw some old tapes of the Sheik, and I still remember those matches. One was Maniac Mark Lewin, match in Detroit. It was just a great brawl. He hits him with a fireball. It's in black and white. And another match was Andre the Giant, where he pinned Andre the Giant after hitting him with a fireball. So. Well, the funny thing is, is the Sheik now has made a list, but his nephew, Sabu, has not made any lists yet. That is interesting, because... Uh, I'm not playing spoiler, but I'm not seeing him on any list. So. <laughs> All right, my next list is from Roderick on Twitter. That's at Roderick seven six four nine six nine four three. We're glad you're free, brother. Thank you, Roderick. In the house. Now your list is: he's got Taker, he's got Big Show, he's got Abyss, he's got Kevin Nash, and he's got Steve Austin. Mm. AJ, you want to tackle what you think about this list first? Uh, I remember Kevin, he's recently free, so watch uh, out. Kevin Nash, while a tough guy, um, absolutely ridiculous to have him on top brawlers. <clears throat> um, however, Steve Austin is as great of a technical wrestler as he was when he did become his biggest name, was a brawler, because at that point he was limited and could only do so much. So it really was just kicks and stomps. I don't know if I still put him in my top five for brawlers. I think it was more the personality that got him over. Um, the rest of his list, eh, perfectly fine, I guess. Hey, what do you think about Abyss? You, you know, is he a brawler? What about these guys that are like hardcore guys and they do well, like these I'll, crazy I'll be stunts? With you, I don't really consider Abyss or Mick Foley to be in my top five brawlers. Mm -hmm. I know that's going to offend some people with the Mick Foley one, but as usual, I don't give a fuck. But. Why do you, do, you, do, you, do you separate them differently, or do you just think that it's just like... They are, to me, hardcore wrestling is a different thing. Mm -hmm. I, I will give a little spoiler. There is somebody who is of the hardcore nature on my list, but it's more because I consider his style to be more of a brawling with a lot less wrestling involved. Whereas I think that Mick Foley and Abyss both used a lot more wrestling holds and not so much the uh, brawling nature. Well, why don't we switch it up and why don't we hear your list? I'm curious now. You yeah, Joe Stecker, don't you? I've got Brody. I do have Stan Hansen. Obviously, those two guys are going to make a lot of lists. Sure. The guy who I was talking about was actually Balls Mahoney. Ah. For me, Balls Mahoney is one of the uh, great brawlers and big men uh, in his time period for ECW. Mm. Most of his matches with him and New Jack and stuff of that nature were just straight-out brawls. 
Walter actually made my list. Oh. To me, Walter with his chops and with mm-hmm. his um, fighting, he is a good technical wrestler, but he could brawl as well. And his matches with Zack Sabre Jr. in places like PWG and in Progress were absolutely tearing down the house brawls. And then I know you guys thought that I was going to have the Brooklyn Brawler when I said Scott, Scott stole my thunder, but I was actually talking about Ishii. The matches they had with Tanaka, Shibata, Hmm. and freaking Tanahashi were out of this world. He also made the never-open-weight title, which had been something somewhat glossed over and not really a big belt, into something that has become much more popular and a bigger belt. So, to me, Ishii's one of the great brawlers. I'm a little upset I didn't have Walter on my list after that fight he had with Dragunov on NXT oh, UK. That's, uh, he just tore the house down. Yeah. By the way, yeah. Ishii, I love his nickname, the Stone Pitbull. To <laughs> me, that's just an awesome nickname. Yeah, between Walter and Ishii, those are two that I wish I put on my list because there was a couple WrestleMania weekends that me and Scott went to that Ishii popped up on a Rev Pro show. We saw him at a couple other ones, and that guy... Hard-hitting, and he really puts on a performance. Now, and, and the, he, the funny oh, thing about Ishii, no, I'm sorry, the funny thing about Ishii is he's 43 years old, and he doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. He seems to just be really clicking into his prime. So I look forward to what we're going to see from him. Now, Dave, I'm going to do my list next. Okay. I've got New Jack, Piper, mm. Funk. I have Sammy Callahan fourth, and I have Stan Hansen fifth. Mm. I felt like I had to put Callahan in there because he is that borderline hardcore brawling type guy, but of the newer class of people that does it, he's got to be one of my favorite. Callahan almost made my list. Wow. See, and I thought that was going to be an out there pick. I'm like, I don't think anybody else is really going to think of him, but if you've watched enough MLW or Impact Mm. over the last two years... You've got, you've seen a lot of Callahan's work on display. There's actually, go ahead, AJ. I was just going to say, I'll be honest with you, it came down to basically him or Balls Mahoney for me. Hmm. And um, I did go with Balls Mahoney, but Callahan was that close to actually making my list. It's actually, uh, what made you pick Balls over Callahan? I don't think Balls gets enough credit. I think that because of uh, his gimmick with the shorts and stuff like that, I think that a lot of times he gets glossed over, especially when it comes to how he made people in ECW. And I just think that he doesn't get enough credit for what he did for ECW. There's actually a lot of underrated brawling, I would say, in MLW as a promotion, too. When you look at Contra Unit, the Von Erics and stuff like that, <clears throat> they've had some of the best brawls, I think, in that company the last few years in wrestling right now. Like old school type brawls. For all the pull aparts that world class had, I mean, we've got hmm. Brody on here, but you would think there'd be maybe a Von Eric or two on yeah. there, maybe Freebird from all those wild fights they had. Yeah, Gordy could have made it. Um, he was somebody who was close to my list. I'm going to get my man Randy, and then I'll finish up here. Randy Oscar's got Stan Hansen. Bruiser Brody, Steve Austin, Terry Funk, and Vader. So a lot of names we've been seeing on this list. All those guys are great brawlers. I'm going to just go right into mine then and we'll finish this up. I got Terry Funk. I did put Abby on because to me, Abby is a career brawler. That's just what he's known for. It is what he does. The fork to the head and he's toward the world and he made some money off it at the end of the day. Brody, same thing. Vader. And Dan Hansen ultimately had to make my list, too. I hate Abby. <laughs> well, I don't think he's going to be in our top five. Now, what's funny is we have a lot of recurring names here, like Hansen, Brody, 
seem to be on everybody's list pretty much. And then it looks like Funk and Austin and Vader made a lot of lists too. Funk is one that is um, just amazing because, yeah, he, he was a great brawler, but mm. you talk about somebody who in the beginning of their career, the first like decade, was a tremendous technical wrestler, and then for like the last, I don't know, 40 years of his career, since mm. he's been wrestling for 50 years now, he's been known for his brawling. So, yeah, uh, I'm a little sad that I didn't put Terry on my list all I think I think Brody and Hanson have to be the two in the finals right now. I think we need to talk about who's going to join them, and I think it's got to be down between Austin, Funk, and Vader. And out of that group, I'm just going to start off, even though I wouldn't that's put him... That's going to be a Funk versus Vader debate to me. Well, that's fine, because to me, as much as Austin, you know, pinnacle of his career, great brawl, as much as Funk is a legend, I'm going with Vader. Just those shots, uh, those punches... They're ridiculous. His matches with Cactus Jack in WCW. His matches with Hanson in Japan with eyes popping out. I mean, there was also a match in uh, Japan with Ken Shamrock, where Ken Shamrock was winning. What a stiff bastard. I don't know. I think Vader makes a list in my mind. Uh, I actually, I hate to say this, I agree with Dave. There you go. Yeah, I really can't argue against it. Yeah, that's uh, Vader to and, me is one of the great brawlers. Even though he didn't make my list, he, he definitely had those heavy hands. And and if you think about it, corner. now that we're talking about it, that's our final three: Hanson, Brody, and Vader. I mean, that's a fucking hell of a final three right there. Yeah, that's a hell of a card in Japan in 1987. So who's getting the boot? Then I'll start with you, AJ. Who's getting the boot? Uh, Vader. Okay. <laughs> we bring him in. We're kicking him out. <laughs> when you put it to that three, I mean, Hanson and Brody are so established in that role, and it's like we almost had to make the case for Vader to get in as a brawler. Yeah, I'm a. All you have to know as to who's the great brawler out of that group, fucking Hanson knocked Vader's eye out. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I know this might not be popular, and it's a gun to my head kind of situation right now. I'm gonna go with Hanson. Because the unfortunate time we deaf a Brody, Hanson ended up having a longer run as that brawling style. That's Well, the thing about both of them is, and this is something Vader didn't do, when Vader came through a crowd, you didn't have legitimate fear in the crowd. Right. Don't get me wrong, it's not like any of them weren't going to be afraid of them if they were face-to-face with them. <laughs> but when Brody and Hanson came through the crowd, whether it was that fucking rope with the bell on it swinging around, or whether it was just Brody's style... People literally would separate and part like the Red Sea because they were afraid they were going to get hurt. And when you draw that kind of fear from your brawling and from um, what's going on, that to me makes those two the most legit badasses and brawlers out of the group. Yeah. So who are you now, picking? Now comes the hard one. Huh? Yeah. 100%. I, I'm, I'm actually pick one of the two. I, like I said, I'm picking, I'm picking Hanson because of longevity. The unfortunate death of Brody is what I mean I like Brody but I just feel like Hanson had just uh, had that longer run I don't I'm know I'm picking Hanson because I think Hanson when he got into the ring legitimately hurt people yeah whereas people talk about Brody and they talk about working with him and other than Lex Luger I don't think he ever legitimately scared his opponent <laughs> whereas <laughs> with freaking Hanson you the people in the ring with him were terrified Undertaker tells a great story about Undertaker had his very first match against Bruiser Brody and uh He's looking him up. He's like, oh, I'm taller than this guy. And <laughs> they ended up, uh, he accidentally, like, stiff Brody. And then he didn't really think about it. He goes, all right, I got this. And then for whatever reason, he grabbed an arm. And he started trying to call the match. It's his first match. 
And then Brody said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And he boots Taker in the head. He's seeing stars. And he starts to take him out of the ring for a ride. So there's no doubt Brody was a bad, bad man. But I think to quote Foley, maybe given a guy who couldn't see the lariat as a finisher was a rib on the rest of us. So I'm leaning towards Hanson all day, baby. Mm-bop. Mm-bop. <laughs> yeah, I've got to go with Hanson as well. I mean, I think... Man from Borger, as Joe was about to say. Today, we're live at 6 p.m., except Thanksgiving week, we'll be live at 5. And one other thing, too. After after we, uh, after we just concluded Hanson was the winner, since I'm the one recording this today, I just want to point out that I had an issue with my Wi-Fi, and immediately everything disappeared that you were just saying. So, <laughs> we can't... <laughs> So we wrapped it up, and there's nothing else that's, like, on here, by the way, just so you know. Whatever you were just saying about 6 p.m., don't know. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I thought you meant you lost the whole thing. No, no, no. Was he was like, you son of a bitch. No, no. Joe was literally saying, I got to go with Stan Hansen, and and then that was it. <laughs> Good. Oh, that's fine. I can cut the end and fuck it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll shut it off then. We'll just, uh, well. That would yeah. yeah, I was sitting there for a second like, Dave, are you just telling me we got to have this whole fucking conversation again? All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then, as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you 